For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live for Tuesday. We kick it off with a bite of the Big Apple with Sean Powell of NBA.com. So, Sean, we're going to begin with a question. Who's the hottest team in the East? No, it's not Boston. It's not Philly. It's not Miami. It's not Milwaukee. It's the New York Knicks that have won four in a row. (laughs) Uh, Well, what do you want, the bad news or the good news? The good news is they're playing very well. The bad news is that, well, it depends on how you look at it. They're getting virtually no, uh, no, uh, nothing from from Julius Randle except a lot of complaining and a lot of moping. What's going on there? You know, I don't know. Obviously, the year hasn't turned out the way he expected or wanted it to turn out. Uh, and for all those reasons, he's. I mean, this is some understandable frustration with him. Uh, I, you know, I always thought that the Knicks this summer should explore trade with him. Uh, I think the best situation would be to trade him to Dallas. He's from Dallas. Uh, and maybe a sign and trade with uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, who Thibodeau obviously loves. Thibodeau obviously worked with uh, uh you know, uh, Jalen's father, uh, he was an assistant on Thibodeau's task. Rick Brunson was an assistant on Thibodeau's uh, staff in Minnesota. He was also a player with the Knicks uh, when Thibodeau was an assistant with the Knicks. So, and the Knicks need a point guard. And Jalen Brunson is young guy, pass first. I think he would, he would solve the need. And, uh, you know, you probably get some other goodies with that because uh, obviously... Uh, Julius Randle in Dallas would be a player they would love to have as a replacement for Kristaps Porzingis on the front line. You know, I, I think it's a win-win situation. I just think that this is probably a, a good sign where it's probably time for the Knicks and Julius Randle to uh, go their separate ways. Well, let me ask you this, and they sign him to a four-year extension. Uh, so does that has that hurt their trade possibilities? No, it actually helps it uh, because the new team doesn't have to worry about negotiating with him again. Uh, players under contract are always easier to trade, assuming that the contract is not an albatross. Uh, players under contract are usually easier to trade than players who just have a year left. If you 
if you trade for a player who has a year left in his contract, now you're at a disadvantage mm. negotiation-wise because you gave up a lot for him. And if he walks from you, then you have nothing to show for the trade. And that he has you over the barrel negotiation-wise. He can pretty much ask him what he wants, and you have to give it to him. Because if you don't, then you have nothing to show for the trade. Well, they beat a Chicago Bulls team last night that's been slipping of late. They beat him 109-104, a dagger three uh, at, towards the end of the game. I, I believe it was with about eight seconds, but with Alec Burks, who had 27, by the way, and R.J. Barrett had 28. This looks like the future of the Knicks. Now, the bad news is all this winning they're doing lately, they won four in a row, 9 of 13. They're probably going to run out of time in terms of getting into the play-in round. Didn't help last night that Atlanta won. They still lead them by five games in the loss column, Charlotte as well. So it's unlikely they're going to catch him with only six games to play. Uh, and then you wonder at what point do they finally say that, you know, we got to start looking to next year. Uh, I think management's already looking that way. Tom Thibodeau is not like any coach. He wants to stay competitive. He wants his team to continue to fight. And they are, they are playing hard. There's no question about it. Yeah, they are. But, you know, they, they, their season is pretty much over. Um, I don't see Atlanta, Brooklyn falling out of that playing situation. Uh, I think for the Knicks, what it really is time for is it's audition time. You look, you're taking a close look at, at some of these young players and even some of the veteran players to see if they fit uh, longer term with you. So that's what I would be doing if I was on the coaching staff and the front office. I'm continuing to study these players. And a guy like R.J. Barrett, he's just got a, you know, a second leaf on life. I mean, think about the way, he, how strong he's finishing the season. That, that's got to be an encouraging sign. And this is a guy who uh, is going to be uh, extension eligible. So now you have to figure out, you know, you obviously want to keep him. And now you got to figure out, are you going to give him the rookie max? Or is there going to be some negotiation involved? So a lot of you know, uh, decision-making for the future is going on with the Knicks right now. So we're talking with Sean Powell of NBA.com, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Sean. Let's let's go deeper into it now. You've got a, a front office, and, uh, and James Dolan's come under a lot of criticism over the last several years. And so you've got, uh, uh, you know, his president is now coming under fire because of some moves that they made or didn't make. Uh, you wonder if it's going to stop just uh, Julius Randle getting shipped out. Is Tom Thibodeau in trouble? Does he hold on to his job? Uh, what do you think is realistically uh, expect the expectations are uh, in terms of the front office? Do they remain intact? It's a great question. I mean, on one hand, what the Knicks need more than anything is some stability. You know, you, you can't just keep, you know, um, firing a coach and finding a new one getting a new front office staff. I mean, those things take its toll. You know, you got to show some stability and some patience. But on the other hand, you got to make sure you're, you're, you're showing patience to the people who deserve your patience. You don't want to, you know, show patience to someone who, if after five or six years, puts your franchise, you know, in a hole, and now you, you're forced to make change. I don't know enough about the inner workings there to figure out what they could have done in certain personnel situations or should have done in certain draft situations. Uh, I do know that they don't have as many 
great pieces, great, you know, numbers of assets as maybe they should have for a team that's, you know, hasn't made the playoffs in a while, should have been stockpiling draft picks, should have been making itself attractive to free agents. And the Knicks really aren't in that situation. Um, you know, I say to stick with everybody for at least another season, see how it shakes out. All it takes is one magnificent personnel decision, you know, to put everything back on the right track. I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do with Julius Randle this summer. Obviously, you want to keep R.J. Barrett. And then you're going to have to try to find some free agents or maybe uh, a couple of trades here and there to put your franchise on the right track. But with the Knicks, it's, it's, it's cyclical with this team. It's always every three or four years, there's a cry to make a change. And sometimes they make that change. And it doesn't necessarily turn out for the better. You've been covering, I mean, you know the Knicks for a long time. How many times have we heard that the Knicks are in line to get this free agent and that free agent and this free agent, and it never pans out? I mean, short of, say, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I mean, but first of all, uh, New York is not necessarily the destination place that think people think it is. Uh, if you're a player, you got to deal with, uh, you know, a big city. Maybe you don't like the big city, and this is the biggest of cities, the traffic. And I... Here's another thing I think that works against the Knicks. Their practice facility. It's located way in in Westchester County. Meanwhile, they play down in Manhattan. And it's just a pain having to navigate those two places. It's an expensive place to live. And even though players make millions of dollars, they like to keep their money. Okay, so they have to deal with that. And the media situation is not as bad as it used to be back in the 80s and 90s when newspapers were a big deal uh in new york the tab that tabloid situation is not as grim as it used to be for certain players i just think you know with with uh the widespread appeal of marketing and things like that you could be noticed in oklahoma city just as well as you can be noticed in new york city mm -hmm. you know it's not you, you don't have that 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 lopsided advantage that new york used to enjoy like I said, 20 years ago or so. And I just think that in order to get the free agents, you just have to make it, number one, you got to have the money to pay them. And maybe you got to pay them a little bit more because it's New York. And then number two, um, you've got to make yourself, your franchise attractive to free agents in terms of the right coach, right front office, and the right building pieces. Uh, one final thing uh, before I move on. Derek Rose hasn't played in quite a while. Uh, it's unlikely he's going to play for the remainder of the regular season, uh, I would imagine he's not part of their future. I don't think so. Um, I, I, I know, obviously, Thibodeau loves him. But I, I just think that, you know, it's time to move on. I don't know how much better of a team he makes them. And as I said, I, if I'm the Knicks, my number one target is going to be um, Jalen Brunson. I just think that he solves a lot. I think he's a good, fundamental, young guard, pass first. I think the crowd will love him. He will love the chance to get away from Luka Doncic and, and Dallas, even though he likes Luka, but he will have his own team to run. Uh, and, and so I just think that they get him and you'll have quickly there also. I don't necessarily see a big need for Derrick Rose. Well, let's go across the, the East River to Brooklyn where uh, the Brooklyn Nets are embroiled right now and trying to find out where they're going to wind up uh, currently, they're in the eighth spot in the East. 
Um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to catch Cleveland, who's three games in front of them. Uh, I think Charlotte, oh, Charlotte loses last night. That that helps the Nets. But meanwhile, the Nets they played Detroit tonight, which is a which is a godsend because Detroit's not a good team. Uh, but uh, right now, the Nets are in a situation. And by the way, the MVP of the Nets is the New York Mayor Eric Adams for lifting the mandate so Kyrie Irving can play home and away. Yeah, how about that? I mean, it was a couple weeks ago when he was, you know, thumbing his nose at the at the idea of uh, lifting the mandate, and suddenly, sort of like an about face, and you know, say what you will about Kyrie and the virus, and he should have gotten shot, all that stuff. The bottom line is he's eligible to play, and the NBA is a better game with Kyrie on the floor, and the net and the Nets are a better team with Kyrie on the floor. So. I don't think they're in danger of falling out of the play-in tournament, obviously. Just the same. I think that they're running out of time to get in the top six. So it looks like they're going to have to be in a play-in situation. The best spot for them is to get either the seventh spot or the eighth spot. If you do that, then if you win one game, then you advance. Uh, even if you lose a game, you have to lose twice in, in, that, in that spot. So... I think that they a, a good position for them is to get the seventh spot, get the eighth spot. Hopefully, Toronto uh, is is not there at the seventh spot if you if the Nets have the eighth spot because then right. you have to play a game on, on, in in Canada, and he and Kyrie Irving is ineligible to play in Toronto, so you don't want that situation. And the other thing is you got to find out about Ben Simmons and whether or not this guy is any closer to suiting up. Guy hasn't practiced at all. He hasn't played a regular season game. He hasn't played since June. It's very hard to ask any player, no matter how talented they are, to go from zero to 60 miles an hour. Basically, that's going from not playing at all to dealing with the intensity of the playoffs. That's going to be very tough for him to do, even for a guy who's a facilitator and and a a pass first uh, point guard. And an excellent defender as well. it seems that we're not going to see Ben Simmons during the regular season. Question is, look, I know a lot of, I know one guy who was just telling me the other day, uh, he's had um, uh, all kinds of shots on his back and so on. Now, Simmons is a younger guy than the guy I'm talking about, but you just wonder if that's a chronic situation that will stay with him forever. Um, but let's deal with, with the rest of that trade that sent Harden to Philadelphia. Uh, Seth Curry's been a nice addition for the Nets. Uh, Andre Drummond's been a nice addition for the Nets. Uh, but uh, had Ben Simmons been available with his defensive capability, the Nets would have gone from a mediocre defensive team to a pretty good defensive team. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I do like Andre Drummond. I think he's been a good help to them. Uh, and Seth Curry is just gives him another shooter, particularly with Joe Harris gone for the season. So he was a, a, a good pickup piece. But you're right. One thing about Simmons is he can really be a difference maker defensively. But having said that, none of us know the condition of his back. I know that he had an epidural shot, uh, what, about a couple weeks ago. Uh, whether or not that's had any effect, who knows. But the Nets are not really saying much about where he is physically, how close he might be to playing. I know Steve Nash said the other day he was hopeful he would play the regular season, but with only a handful of games left, you know, 
as time goes on, that possibility gets, you know, slimmer and slimmer. So uh, I, I think he would be a great help defensively. But again, we just don't know where he is physically. We don't even know where he is mentally, whether he's able to adjust. And again, to go from six, from zero to 60, the intensity of the playoffs, suddenly you're guarding the other team's, you know, best player or second best player. I mean, that can be quite a challenge for someone who hasn't played basketball since last year. No doubt. As of today, uh, they would meet Cleveland if it was a 7-8 matchup. Uh, they still have two tough games this week. They play Milwaukee and Atlanta, both teams that have something to play for. Uh, the Cleveland team's an interesting team. They, they came out of the gate pretty quickly. they got a bunch of young talent uh, and would be a, a tough out. Uh, but then again, Cleveland's looking at the Nets in the same fashion. If I said that the Nets, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets, of the team that nobody wants to play if you're in the if you're among the elite four in the east i would probably say that's pretty accurate with an asterisk i mean again uh what about ben uh i think everything is when you get to the playoff round as you know everything is about matchups in other words uh you can be a really good team but maybe that lower seed is one of those teams that, for whatever reason, matches up favorably with you. Maybe they have a size advantage. Maybe they have a quickness advantage. Maybe they have a shooting advantage. Whatever it might be, there's always that one team that kind of gives you more trouble than you think they should give you. Uh, so maybe the Nets are that team. We do know that whomever the Nets play, with possibly the exception possibly the exception of the Bucks, the Nets will have the best player on the floor, and that would be Kevin Durant. Uh, he is just a stone-cold, certified bucket-getter, uh, a proven champion. Uh, so you do know if you're in the Nets, you do have that advantage. And you could say, for the most part, Kyrie Irving fits that mold as well. I mean, again, this is a guy who is very difficult to guard. Offensively, he's so gifted. Also, he's not afraid of taking big shots. So you got two, the Nets have two players on the floor who don't run and hide. They have two players on the floor who are proven winners. And usually most teams have one player. When you have two, that's the type of team that's a tough matchup. That's the type of team that can give a higher seed a lot of trouble in a seven-game series. Hey, John, let's remember last year, they didn't have Kyrie Irving. Uh, could you imagine if they did, they might have gone all the way? Well, not only that, you know, James Harden was ailing as well. Uh, I, you know, we could look back and say the Nets, you know, their best shot was last year, uh, depending on how the Ben Simmons thing turns out. You know, you, you could say that. But again, you know, they're, they're built, you know, everyone thinks that it's, it's, it's uh, now or never for the Nets and, you know, win or bust, and that's just not the case. Kevin Durant is signed long-term. Kyrie Irving has indi indicated the other day that he wants to remain here so that he will re-up this summer. And Ben Simmons is under contract for three more years. So it's not like if they don't win this year, you got to break this team up or they're in trouble or anything. No, no, they're built for the next, you know, at least the next three years. But at the same time, you know how difficult it is to win championships in the NBA, and when you have that chance, you got to strike while you can because tomorrow is never promised, as you saw with Kevin Durant having an injury. Uh, you know, anything can happen in this league, or maybe a competitor, you know, uh, in the East or even in the West suddenly gets a lot, lot stronger, 
and suddenly they're a better team than you. So you always have to try to win a championship when you can. And for the Nets, you know, you'll have a number of chances, but you can't always assume that, you know, tomorrow is promised. Excuse me for being a skeptic. Remember that Kyrie Irving basically told Boston he wanted to stay there long term, and that didn't work out. Yeah, I, re- I, I kind of remember that. Everybody in Boston will remind you of that. But yeah. how would Kyrie look if he suddenly reneged here in Brooklyn? I mean, I get it. Kyrie is Kyrie, man. You can't predict the guy. Uh, but you can, in this situation, you, you would like to think to give him the benefit of the doubt because he didn't have a Kevin Durant in Boston. Uh, but he's got a Kevin Durant with Brooklyn. So, And the other thing, he'd be kind of running out of teams a little bit. I mean, if yeah. he <laughs> reneged on this one, you know, how many teams would – would be willing to, you know, take the chance with him. He's a strange guy, uh, but at the same time, he's a heck of a player, and that's why teams will put up with Kyrie being Kyrie, because they know they can win with him. No, you're absolutely right. Speaking of Boston, they had their five-game winning streak ended in overtime to Toronto. They didn't have Jason Tatum. They didn't have Jalen Brown. uh, They didn't have Robert Williams, and apparently Robert Williams – uh, is going to be out for the rest of the regular season. You just We don't know how bad that injury is, but it certainly and it hurts the Boston Celtics because he had been playing very well. You know, I, I look, I love the way Boston has played since the calendar flew to the year 2022. I mean, back in January, you know, people were wondering, you know, whether or not you got to break up, you know, uh, Brown and Tatum. And yet they've been playing so well. And I just hate to see the young kid, Robert Williams, who really stepped up defensively. And, and he should get some uh, some notice for the all-defensive team in the NBA. He's, he's really come a long way, way. The Celtics rolled the dice with him about a year ago when they gave him a contract extension. And he really didn't show a lot. I mean, he has some promise, but, you know, promise you can't do all that much with promise. And I just think that the kid has matured this year. I think he's stepped up. He's found out his role, his niche. He's played well. He's been a catalyst for them during this, you know, the last two and a half months when the Celtics really became one of the best teams in the NBA, if not the best team in the NBA over that period of time. And I just hate that that happened to him, number one. And I also hate that it happened to the Celtics who fought their way back. You have to admire a team that that really did that. So let's hope that, you know, this is not long-term, long-term as in months. Let's hope that the kid can come back and, and help the Celtics. But of course, we don't even know if the Celtics will still be around if he heals up because the East is so competitive, they can be bouncing the first round just like any other team in the East. Well, you look at the top four in the East. Uh, I mean, Boston fell from one to four overnight, albeit by percentage points. Who do you think emerges? Uh, Miami's had their struggles, although they exploded last night. Fortunately for them, um, you know, they, they they had a cakewalk last night. But Philadelphia, Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP type level. He gets to the foul line more than anybody in the league, and it's not even close. He reminds me of Shaq in that in that respect, uh, but he's a better free throw shooter than Shaq. Yes. I, mean, I mean, how do you guard him? I mean, he's, he's a big, he's a big guy. He's got a level of quickness, so you've got to deal with that. And he constantly has the ball. Almost every trip down the court, he's going to touch the ball. And that puts a lot of pressure on your defense, you know, when a guy you know is going to get those touches and you got to try to stop him. 
and he's a lot smarter in terms of drawing fouls. It's, a, it's almost like you have to basically spot him six, seven, maybe even eight free throws a game. That's just the way it's going to be. He's, he's, he's very tough to guard. And there aren't a lot of great defensive centers in the NBA who can deal with him. So the only tactic they have is to follow him. Anyway, I'm glad you brought up you know the first place in, in the East who's going to get it, Philadelphia. With Joel Embiid, you know, he's also in the running for MVP. So you figure that if he wasn't in the running for MVP, that they would rest him. But I think he wants it so bad that the guy's been playing almost every game as compared to seasons past. Mm. He's, he's like, you know, getting 33, 34 minutes. You know, he wants to remove all doubt with the voters, those who, who are still undecided between him and Nikola Jokic and, and Giannis. And so, you know, he's going to play these games. Uh, as far as who wins the, the East, I mean, I don't know who wants it, first of all. Uh, is it that big a deal? I would kind of look to Milwaukee in a sense because they have they have Brook Lopez back, and he's slowly you know getting his you know his rhythm, and I just think that you know they're right there, and just like last year they can come out on top, uh, you know in, in the Eastern Conference in terms of going to the NBA Finals. I think this year it's a possibility that they may get the best record in the East as well. Could be. This I must. Must-see TV game tonight, Milwaukee at Philadelphia. A very interesting matchup at this time of the year. Yeah, I, you know, again, you're talking about uh, a, a two teams that have a legitimate case for either, number one, uh, winning the, getting the best record in the East, or number two, emerging from the East, just, you know, and going to the NBA Finals. Both of them can make the case. And so that's why, you know, a game like this ordinarily wouldn't probably have this much weight late in the season because they might be resting players. But in this case, you know, well, maybe we'll see a pretty good game. Uh, out West, I mean, it's been like the Phoenix Suns and everybody else. They're playing at such a high level right now. And Devin Booker, uh, I, I think if it was any other year, Devin Booker would be considered an MVP favorite. But he's obviously not going to win it. But having said that, they just got Chris Paul back. That bolsters that team. Uh, he's their leader. Uh, he makes the, he makes that engine go. They are running away with the West right now. Uh, meanwhile, at the other end of the standings, the Lakers will not have LeBron, likely. Will not have Anthony Davis. I'm seeing right now that they're going to be in the lottery, and I don't know that that's a bad thing for them because basically they're going nowhere. Yeah, they're going nowhere, um, but at the same time, they're not going to be in line for a number one pick, and I really have to find out whether or not their pick goes to, yeah, it does, actually. Their number one pick goes to New Orleans. Right. And the, and the, and the Anthony Davis trade. So right. So there's no benefit to missing the playoffs at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's been a weird year. LeBron James now is dealing with a left ankle sprain. Um, I know he wants to win the scoring championship, so I know he wants to be out there. Uh, but they had a very, very difficult schedule ahead. They got to play the Warriors. They got to play the Denver Nuggets twice. They got to play the Phoenix Suns. I mean, their schedule is brutal, brutal. Uh, they even have to play New Orleans Pelicans again. They lost two the other night. So I, I would say right now they're behind the eight ball. 
You know, I, I don't know when Anthony Davis comes back. I know he's he's resumed practice, uh, but they need him in the lineup like right away in order for him to, to just to save their season, just to get the number ten spot. They've got to push ahead hard, and you would never have thought that the Lakers, even if you thought that even you know several months ago when they added a bunch of old pieces and everything, even if you were a critic of them then, you still didn't see this scenario where they'd be on the verge of missing the playoffs completely. Well, what's what's? I mean, they, they could fall back into a tie with San Antonio should they lose at Dallas tonight, and that's probably a likelihood. Uh, but then San Antonio tomorrow plays Memphis, and they're, they're playing great even without John Morant. They got a bunch of young legs that are doing a hell of a job for that team. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think they've won, what, five in a row? Yeah, it's a hot team, obviously, much like the Boston Celtics. Um, but unlike the Celtics, they've been able to win without their best players. A best player, I guess, singular. That'd be John Moran. And, you know, I, I look, I'm not going to cast any doubt on the Memphis Grizzlies because they've been able to play well pretty much for the entire season. It's not like, you know, they had a really long, tough stretch. So I'm not going to it out. The one thing I will say about them, where I have some question, is they haven't been there and done that. Yes. They haven't really, you know, paid their dues, so to speak. A lot of young players on that team, they really don't know anything about playoff pressure or anything like that. They're about to find out. And not only do they not know about playoff pressure, they don't know what it's like to be the favorite team in a, play, in a playoff series. So you, you have that burden as well. So you have a team that never been in the playoff before and a team that has gone to the playoff with expectations. That could be kind of like a double whammy. I'm not saying they'd be in danger of losing in the first round. All I'm saying is that they haven't proven themselves yet on that level. It's pretty much the only thing they really have to prove at this point because they pass all the other tests uh, through the regular season. Well, you know, until you've been there, you really don't know what it's like, and you're right. Uh, that's that's a great point, and it's right on the money. But look, Memphis right now is locked into the number two spot. That's likely where they're going to finish. Meanwhile, Golden State they they play a game last night. They get they get whipped last night. They didn't have Seth Curry, didn't have Draymond Green, didn't have Clay Thompson, uh, and, and of course the injury factor is a big deal for that team in particular. It is, and they've been dealing with injuries now for what the last couple years on and up, well, actually last three years ever since. Durant and Clay Thompson went down in 2019. Uh, they've had at least one bullet, one important player missing at one point in time or another. You know, Steph Curry's had his injuries. Draymond Green, obviously, Clay Thompson had you know those pair of injuries. So we really haven't seen this team whole and, and for a generous stretch. You know, we've seen them for maybe a few games here and there, but not for a long generous stretch. And I think that that could be what hurts them. We, they need some unity. And you would think that a team that's had the important pieces for a long time would not be suffering from unity. But the injuries have put them in that, in that position. I do like, however, the blend of veteran winners and young players that they have. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think the guys like Jordan Poole give them a certain sort of energy uh, off the bench and young legs uh, and, and will help. The Warriors play almost any style. They can play the half-court style. They can play the up-tempo. And so I really think that they would be dangerous against pretty much any team in the West, and I I include the Phoenix Suns. But the problem is 
I need to see some continuity. I need to see all those important pieces on the floor together for a long stretch of time just so they have the harmony and the cohesiveness, right, in order to move forward. That's really the only thing separating the Warriors and going to the NBA Finals. I appreciate the info, Sean. Thanks a million. You stay safe. Thanks for your help. Hey, I appreciate it anytime. Sean Powell of NBA.com. Yeah, I think the Warriors have one thing that's that's hurting them. It's the continuity, as Sean mentioned. It's the fact that they're playing shorthanded. It seems like a lot. But, you know, that's part of the game, isn't it? Isn't it? Let me go to one of the teams in the West, the team in the West. Waiting on Kevin Ray, the television voice of the uh, Phoenix Suns. Having a hard time getting a hold of Kevin Ray. Hi, this is Kevin. I can't get to your call right now, but if you would leave me a short message. You're in on my phone call. As quickly as possible. If it is urgent, you can always try texting me as well. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, and have a great day. All right, we leave a message for Kevin. Tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. To leave a callback number, press 5. Hey, Kevin, it's Howard David waiting on you, so you give me a callback. How's that for dealing things abruptly? Let me just send him a little text. Hopefully he will call back. And we can get going talking about the Phoenix Suns. They are playing great basketball. As a matter of fact, they're running and hiding from the rest of the league, which is a little bit surprising. Um, I mean, who knows what to make of a team... That is playing the kind of basketball they're playing. It's almost like they're bored, you know. But I don't know how bored you're going to get when they got to the finals last year and couldn't get out of the the uh, couldn't get away from the, the Milwaukee Bucks that took them apart. You know they were so close last year. You're just wondering if that's been their. I don't know. Their it's like chomping at the bit to get back into the finals again. Well, they've done everything they can to get back into the finals. Here they are with a stranglehold on the West, where they got about an eight-game lead. Yeah, an eight-game lead. Uh, and they're not give, giving up that lead anytime soon. I mean, they're, uh, they're the hottest team in the league right now. They've won eight in a row. Um, they have uh, they just beating people. I mean, six of their eight wins in, during the streak have come by double digits. So they're like taking people apart, and it's hard to say uh, are they that. I remember talking to a couple of stars over the course of time that said when they went into certain games, they felt pretty sure that they were going to win no matter what. Uh, and I said, I, I mean, I talked to a guy like Bill Russell or a guy like Larry Bird or a guy like Magic Johnson, and I said, well, when you went into how many games during an 82-game schedule where you said, we're going to win tonight, no question about it, and they said about 10 or 12. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, 
out of an 82-game schedule. But it's hard to imagine that... Um, It's hard to imagine that they're not getting, I mean, that they are getting such, such tremendous Let me just leave this. They're getting such tremendous uh, obviously production from Devin Booker, but you can't do it alone. DeAndre Ayton is playing like we thought he was going to play. Now you got Chris Paul back. Um, it's, it's inevitable that uh, this team is going to be a factor coming out of the West. And the West, I don't believe, is as deep as the East this year. It's one of the first years that I could say that in recent memory. The East right now is jam-packed, certainly the top four. And then after that, there's another log jam with three or four more teams. And then there are teams that are fighting to get in to the play-in round. Uh, for whatever the reason, uh, the East is deeper this year. Maybe there's been some players that moved over from the, the West to the East. I'd have to do a little bit more research to find that out. But clearly the West, uh, I mean, it's Phoenix. And then after that, it's who? One day it's Utah. One day it's uh, Memphis. One day it's Golden State. One day it's Dallas. Could Denver come out of the pack? Uh, Minnesota's been playing pretty good ball. The Clippers get uh, Paul George back. Is that going to help them? You would think it could help them. The question is, is it going to help them enough? And as for the Lakers, it's sad to me to say it, but I, I just, I'm afraid that they're not going to make it into the play-in. I mean, uh, San Antonio's right on their back. And when you got, <laughs> you talk about Popovich coaching against you, I mean, he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. So he could take a mediocre team and make him a good team or a good team and make him a great team. I mean, he's capable of doing that. But look, this Phoenix team is playing great basketball right now, and they've been playing great basketball all year. They have run away from the rest of the pack in the West, and it's it, it, it lacks for competition. But by the same token, I got a little selfish reason to see Phoenix go all the way. And I don't root necessarily for any particular team. But my pal Al McCoy has been doing their games for 50 years. Think about it. 50 years. And he hasn't got a ring yet. I'd like to see him get one before he packs it in. And who knows, if, he, if they win it all this year, he may say, you know what, I'm going out a winner. It's always a distinct possibility. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we move on. You see what happens. You take one day at a time in the old proverbial time-worn adage. One game at a time. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. I think what's going on right now in the NBA is fun because I still say, and I said it all along, that Adam Silver is the most effective commissioner in all of pro sports. It is what it is. We just keep on trucking. You folks have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live and taking a bite of the Big Apple as the Knicks' hottest team right now in the East. But everybody's got their eye on the Nets. What are they going to look like come postseason time? You folks have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live and stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.